Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. So this is one of the only times I've ever had to have a second round for a podcast because Molly and I tried to do this podcast originally and we just like had a, we had a great conversation, but it just very quickly devolved and not devolved, but evolved maybe into us being like, but like everything's made up and nothing is real. And like, what are thoughts even? And what is a brain? And I was like, we gotta pull this back. This is not going to be that helpful for people. So we are yep. reconvening today for us, for our conversation. So, but we are going to talk about something that I'm so excited to have Molly on. And she's going to tell you a little bit about her background. She was a therapist and is now a coach. And I think that there's so much conversation about like therapy versus coaching. And like, we're going to talk about all of that today, but we're also going to invite you to like, stop thinking about it. Like it's a duel where they meet in Weehawken at 5am, like in Hamilton. Like <laughs> one doesn't have to win. Is not adversarial. (laughs) (laughs) Coaching are two helpful modalities. And we're going to talk about when one is more appropriate than the other. But I just want to kind of invite you to like, if in your mind, there's like a little V symbol in between them. And it's like therapy versus coaching. Like it can be and it can be an and symbol. Like it's not one of them doesn't have to be the answer to everything. So we're going to talk through all that today. What is coaching versus what is therapy? What's appropriate for what differences, similarities, all that. So with that hilarious introduction, Molly, tell us about yourself. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's quite a rabbit hole of a topic, isn't it? So we, mm-hmm. we, we did go down it pretty quickly last time. The term that I use to describe the work I do is made up entirely because of this issue. So my background, as you said, is as a therapist, and I pivoted to coaching because it suits my more irreverent and disruptive style. The term that I use for it is clinical life coaching, that it's life coaching with an eye towards mental health. So there's some foundation and framework that is clinical, but a lot of what I'm bringing to the table is is different and it's a different flavor of the conversation, but it really does draw upon elements of both. There's this hybrid piece, which speaks to how, how polarizing an issue this can be because there are people who think that that hybrid is inappropriate or think that you know some people are only appropriate for this particular treatment and exactly the point you're bringing up. So I'm glad we're getting into it. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Why don't you tell us what you see as kind of some of the differences between therapy and coaching, but we're going to start with one subset of that. Like we're going to get in a minute to like which things are appropriate for which kind of treatment, quote unquote, or experience. Mm-hmm. But there's also differences in just like conceptually how people think, like how do therapists think about like what they're doing and what's the right kind of way of doing it versus coaching. So what's your perspective on that? Sure. Well, my take on that is that as a therapist, I was drawing upon a particular body of academic knowledge and all therapists are drawing on a similar body of academic knowledge, though they might have specific training in particular areas or specialties. And as a coach, I'm not just drawing on that body of academic knowledge, also drawing my own experience. And the reason that's important is that what you're drawing upon as a clinician is going to inform what your relationship looks like with your client. So there are particular expectations of what the clinical relationship looks like with the therapist and client and what those boundaries look like, what topics you're introducing, what topics you are absolutely not introducing, Mm. the kinds of questions you're asking, are they more open-ended, are they more leading? So there's a really different approach to the conversation, the nuts and bolts of the conversation itself as a therapist than as a coach. 
And you can you certainly make the argument by comparison, is the coach just kind of cowboying along with whatever conversation <laughs> they want to run? And this is where I like to draw on the clinical foundation to say, no, in fact, we are not just cowboying along, especially those of us that- I'm Like, uh, what does a cowboying along even mean? What is, I'm like, <laughs> see myself like on a horse with a lasso. Like, how do I right, know if I'm right. cowboying? What's happening? Right. Well, it's, it's a verb now, the way I'm using <laughs> it. We've well, invented I, I, a new word, everybody. Get ready. Cowboying is now a verb. <laughs> when I decided to give up licensure and pivot to coaching, much of the feedback I got from my colleagues is, are people going to take you seriously? And, and will you have the same credibility? So when I'm speaking to us coaches cowboying along here, this is more about the perception mm-hmm. of how we're operating and less about how we're actually functioning in the conversation. And it's tricky because it's an unlicensed field. So there are plenty of people who do not have training experience or even of the tiniest shred of credibility that are mm-hmm. going out and introducing themselves to people as though they're capable of a conversation that they maybe don't have enough training for. That doesn't mean that they don't have something to offer the conversation Mm -hmm. necessarily, but I think it's wise to have some sort of structure or some sort of framework for how you're approaching this. So the cowboying is really just that it's a different framework. It's different Mm -hmm. scaffolding than the therapeutic conversation. It still exists, but different bones. Yeah. I mean, one way of thinking about this might be, it feels to me like, and again, obviously all this depends because we have to have at least one caveat here without going down the rabbit hole, which is like, we talk about therapy, like it's one thing, mm-hmm. but obviously mm-hmm. like what Freud and Jung were doing is pretty different than like today's Radical. modern CBT practitioner or today's like psychiatrist who's treating, you know, multi, what is it called? Like dual diagnosis, addiction, and personality disorders. Like this is a mm-hmm. big range of things and people mm-hmm. are doing, and I live in New York, which may be like the last place that there are still Freudian analysts. I don't know. So like, like, <laughs> it it, is. you know, it's bastard. very different. Like this is a huge range. So it's sort of like saying like doctors, well, like, you know, there's a million different kinds and maybe it's even more diverse than that because probably most medical doctors agree on some biological basis of how they think the body works. Whereas mm-hmm therapists can have very different ideas of how the mind works. And same for coaches, like everything from like technically the head of the Notre Dame football team and me are both right. coaches, but like these are very different kinds of coaches. That's but right. That's right. as a whole, in general, either because of like whether it's licensure or how the field developed or whatever, that there's more formality in a therapeutic relationship in terms of therapist to client. For instance, you know, therapists can't have or aren't supposed to have social relationships with their clients right? If you see your client out in public, you're not supposed to like acknowledge you know them unless the client does mm-hmm. that first. Whereas in coaching, it's much more common to have like some kind of social relationship with your coaches. or mm-hmm. I've hired people that have been my students to then coach me when they like had an, a certain expertise. And I'm working with two of my former current students as their client right now, because like in their area of expertise, they have something to teach me. So I think there's like, to me, I feel like coaching is a combination of it's like the role of coach, depending on the person, can be almost anything from like a peer educator kind of or a peer supporter. Yeah. That's sort of like my qualification is I've also worked on this and like my life has gotten better in this way. And let me teach you what I've learned, like literally just from my own personal experience, right? right? All the way up to almost like the lineage of a spiritual teacher in some way. Like I exactly studied yeah. with these people and this is my tradition and this is what I, you know, and like anywhere in between. So it is just a much more kind of open field. And as you said, it's not licensed. I too agree. Like if you want to be a coach and you can, you should go get certified. I think it's, you know, useful to learn a scaffolding, Mm -hmm. a framework, a set of tools, 
to have that kind of behind you. But also part of this is that therapy and coaching are in very different stages of development as a field, right? Because Mm -hmm. when therapy was where coaching is now, there wasn't licensure, there wasn't a whole worked out board of ethics, there wasn't a Mm -hmm. light therapy board, there weren't exams. Like as any new field matures, it becomes institutionalized. And then sort of these you know, sets of rules basically come up and are developed and curriculums are developed and you begin to have a more kind of rigorous gatekeeping for good and bad outcomes of like Mm -hmm. who's in a field. Right. So coaching, like if we're going with that, like wild west cowboy framework, right. Coaching (laughs) is still a very young industry, a young field of study, both of those things, just like therapy was a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it is much more like unregulated and there's so much more diversity there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I think of the coaching, the way that you're describing it, it really falls more in the category of education. The relationship is not so sacred, but the information that's being transmitted is really what's more sacred. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in the, the therapeutic relationship, there are such boundaries around the relationship because it is so sacred because mm-hmm. you're really doing a deep excavation of things. It's less about let me develop an understanding and a working knowledge of this information, which is much more the coaching conversation. Yeah. I think there's also differences. Again, I'll stop saying this. There's a caveat that anything I say is a huge generalization in this episode. (laughs) But I think because therapy has this sort of, I mean, there's a range, right? So obviously psychiatry, very medical. People are medical doctors. Right. Right. But then there's this sort of quasi- medicalization or medicalized model, I think, right? For some people where sort of therapy is a treatment performed by the practitioner on the person who comes. And there is like a clear set of like, this is what would be healthy and this is unhealthy. And this is like Mm -hmm. dysregulated and this is regulated. And this is like, you know, dysfunctional, this is functional. We're going to like move you along. Whereas I find in coaching, at least the way I was taught to coach. So again, not, I can't speak for anybody who coaches, you know, from some other philosophical foundation, but the kind of coaching that I do really has a lot less of that. And I think this will lead us in a minute to like, where is it appropriate? And where is it not appropriate? But right. when we're talking about like human beings who are fully functional, basically working are okay out in the world mm-hmm. or less, right? there's like <laughs> less, there's less of that sort of preconception, I think, or judgment about it. I remember going to this when I first started studying coaching and had just gotten certified. And I went with my friend, Rachel Hart, who's a coach to this like, live CBT demonstration kind of. It was interesting mm-hmm. at, you know, held by us by a psychology school. And the person who had volunteered to be the client or I guess was the client was getting coached and he was having this like conflict between should he, you know, stay and marry his girlfriend or should he like go study in a monastery and become like a meditation a monk basically, like a Buddhist mm-hmm. monk. And again, this was just one therapist. So this could have been just been this guy. But it was just so clear that the therapist thought that like he knew the answer to this. You know, it was right. sort of like this monk thing is like immature. What would be maturity would be like staying integrated in like society in this traditional normative right. way and marrying he had a girlfriend. An and yeah, he had an agenda, you know, but he had, but it's like the sort of what's healthy and unhealthy or what's and I just remember being like, I don't know, dude, maybe that guy should be a monk. Like, what do you know? <laughs> right, right. Which is interesting because you think of the therapeutic role, I mean, even under the umbrella of CBT as one who really has to be more reserved. And the coaches right. are the ones who are saying, hey, I have a strategy. You should right, that is an, I have the opposite experience. Like my experience, right, the therapists were much more like, they're just the ones I've had, have been much more like kind of directive and like, it has felt much more like there was an agenda. And coach to me, that's that's a sign to me. Again, yeah. take it all with a grain of salt, but to me, that's a sign of an unhealthy therapist. 
or just a therapist who needs to call themselves a coach and stop pretending they're doing therapy. Because <laughs> right, I think of coaching as having like, I have zero agenda. I'm like, I don't know, maybe you should be a monk. Let's just make sure you right. like your reasons and how do they feel? Right. There's less right. of that sort of like model. But for sure, I think we agree that like there are places where coaching is definitely not the only thing you need, like where it's not appropriate for coaching to be the only treatment. So let's kind of talk about that. Like, I think this is a spectrum, but like, how do you think about it? Well, this is going to be, again, a broad generalization that (laughs) I'm going to bring up here just (laughs) repeatedly, but there's a sort of a spectrum of moving from going into our somebody training, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as as the late Gnostic intermediary Ram Dass described it, when we grow up, we grow into somebody training. Mm -hmm. And there's an element to therapy that I see as kind of like the final piece of that somebody training. That's Mm -hmm. not to say that it's not useful later along the line, Mm -hmm. but that when we're learning who we are, what do I like? What's okay? Where do my boundaries go? That there's something about the therapeutic conversation that's really helpful for putting that all into perspective of how did I evolve? Where are my lines? Where do I end? Where do you begin? What do I like? Oh, I do like that. I don't like, oh, okay, I can say that. Okay. All right. I'm going to practice saying, you know, you're cultivating the sense of self, Mm -hmm. the selfness. And when I encounter a client who is sort of in the middle of that transition, because what happens after we have established that self, if you keep doing the work, then you have to move into nobody training. Then we start dismantling the self, the way mm-hmm. we have to have things be in order to be okay, or mm-hmm. I have to look like this or have these qualities in order to be comfortable with myself. We mm-hmm. start working on how to let those qualities fall away. Now, this is not to say that that's a coaching conversation mm-hmm. and establishing those qualities as a mm-hmm. therapy conversation, because I don't think it's that black and white. But I do think there's an argument to be made that there is a transition that happens. And often someone in the middle of that transition is going, Wait, do I am I allowed to establish boundaries, which is a somebody conversation, mm-hmm. or someone who's like, I'm really stuck in my boundaries. I'm, I have mm-hmm. to hold my boundaries in order to be okay. And teaching them that they can actually let some of those go and practice mm-hmm. still identifying as who they are with their own consciousness without needing those boundaries or having to be seen as sexy, funny, intelligent, achieved, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that I find is really useful for the coaching conversation. So I realize I just you know, opened a can of worms. No, I think that's super interesting. Yeah. I just, I like that. That's just a totally different perspective from the way I think about it. So the listeners can like hear that's a sort of like where you are in your like life stage journey. Yeah. Kind of conversation framework. And then for me, I think the other spectrum I think of it along is sort of, I don't have a quite a name for this because it's not severity is not quite the right word. But, well, maybe degree of pathology or, or what, yeah, what it's we sort of like, understand of right. It's like, I think that thought work is always helpful for everybody in the sense that if you are conscious, you are having thoughts about yourself and whatever's going on with you and mm-hmm. thought work is helpful for that. Right. But it's not the only tool that you ever need, right? Just like I would be like, oh, your foot is broken. I guess you should do some thought work to just feel better about that. I would be like, go to a <laughs> orthopedist, please. And right. yes, do some thought work about that experience if you need to, right? Of and course. so there are a lot of different tools that could be necessary, including psychiatric care, medication, non-medical, I mean, psychiatric care, that's not medication, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Like there's different procedures, there's different techniques or, you know, intense psychological support. If you are struggling with something that is very debilitating. Like I think the old version that they used to say for coaching was like, oh, therapy is if you're dysfunctional going to functional and then coaching is for like people who are functional, but want to like be amazing. I mean, it sort of gets at something, you know, just being like, yeah. you no, know, if you are in active psychosis, 
thought work is not the only thing that you need in that moment. Right. <laughs> like it gets because your thoughts are not necessarily credible. And so yeah, you, and you, you can't really, alignment. you're not in a place where you can do that. And certainly people can be, you know, in various different psychological states where they can't really even access those techniques and they need additional support. So I think that gets at something, but to me, it's not a, like, it is more of a spectrum as opposed to being like, yeah. if you're dysfunctional, it's this, if you're functional, it's that. And meanwhile, I have like lots of clients who went through therapy and found it helpful or didn't or whatever, like the whole spectrum, but basically mm-hmm. got to a point where their therapist was like, okay, I mean, I think we've resolved what you came to work on. And like the way you are or feel now is just kind of how norm- normal, this is just human life, you know, like that's that right. kind of, and they were like, that can't be that, you know, like, I don't know exactly what I need, but like, there is something else I need help to like, not just heal, but evolve into like this next vision of myself. I don't have yet. Right. And that's where I think we get this idea. Yeah. That's like, like, that's sort of a way of saying somebody, nobody. Yeah. But it's all, or like somebody and a different somebody, like, who are you going to become next? Like you might be fully functional and fine, like not displaying any serious pathology, not, you know, totally working in your life and even feeling good and still be like, yeah, but like secretly I want to start a like deep sea observatory and I don't feel that I can because I don't feel capable, whatever. Like, and I need, I want to like become this next person and how do I do that? But I think for me, I just, this is the place where I most want to like break down the like therapy or coaching because I'm just like, both motherfucker. Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Like, amen to that. All of it. Just why are we, you know, obviously, yes, some people have financial constraints or other constraints, but like, to me, it's a spectrum. There's places where you absolutely need professional psychiatric and psychological care coaching. If you can only do one, you do that one. Coaching is like not going to solve those problems, but if you can do both coaching is still helpful. I mean, I have worked with people who had diagnoses of who also had all of the medical care they needed. It's like the big disclaimer, they had their psychiatric care in place, all of that, and their therapeutic care. And also, you know, they had intrusive voices or a diagnosis of schizophrenia or whatever, because as long as you're conscious, you're having thoughts about that, right? Like, how do you think about your diagnosis? How do you think about your symptoms? What story do you tell yourself about what's possible for you? Like that shit's all coaching, like how you talk to yourself about your, condition or your experience. And I've, we've had mm-hmm. people in the clutch who, again, like have their psychiatric care in place and have also used thought work to help them relate to the thoughts that they have that occasion the need for that care. So. Boy, you just said one of the, the key words for me, which coaching is about, which is that it's, it's really about the relationship. Mm-hmm. We look at the like therapeutic storyline from the psychodynamic perspective. It's here's how you got the way you got. Here's the cause and here's the effect. It's very Newtonian in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like the apple falls because of gravity. Right. But coaching for me feels like playfully Einsteinian. It's all relative. It's mm-hmm. all about the relationship to yourself and the thought or yourself and the anger or yourself and the concept, yourself and the fear. Yeah. And breaking down that relationship, that's a nuanced conversation. And that's why I think it's more about the relationship with the person. Is, mm-hmm. is this the right person? It's not, is this the appropriate therapist or the appropriate coach? Mm-hmm. But are you in the right dynamic with the right teacher, essentially? Yeah. And that they can go together, right? Like, totally. if you have trauma, you may need trauma-specific therapy, right? Right. And you just also probably have thoughts about the whole fact that you had trauma, about the yep. symptoms you have, mm-hmm. about like a, you have a story about what that means for you and your life and your relationship to it. All mm-hmm. of that is what thought work and coaching is about to me. So I just like, if we could abolish one thing, it would be the like either or. I'm like, it's just all of it. Do all of it. The podcast is free. Go to therapy <laughs> and listen to the podcast. 
And of course people do. Like I get messages of people being like, my therapist told me about your podcast. And like, now we listen and talk about it together. Right. But it's That's just fantastic. like, I think it's that spectrum. So there's obviously places that it coaching is inappropriate as a sole thing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also, I mean, to me, I, it's hard to imagine a good therapeutic relationship where somebody would be like, no, you should not listen to a podcast about being nicer to yourself and thinking about your thoughts. That's a bad thing. Like that contradicts our therapy or something. Like, <laughs> that's a threatened therapist. That's right a yeah, right. That's more about the therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if also, you shouldn't impact- read Socrates. Apparently, like right, right. And, and that's actually something to be aware of. And I'm, you know, if your if your coach is telling you don't go to therapy, or your therapist is telling you don't yeah. go to coaching, you just be a little. You have the right to be playfully suspicious. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it's just like the more tools, the better. Yeah. Right. And like, I think that people get so like intense about this because they think that it's like, and I actually find that sort of some of my students who are therapists who also like became coaches have the Mm. most conflict around this and are like kind Mm. of the most distraught over this in a way that I just like hurts my heart. But I'm just like, this just like isn't necessary. Like (laughs) we can be in favor of both or all of it. I think it's not unlike falling into a spiritual path that suits you, but there's a degree of anxiety about, like, can I hold on to it? And so then you feel the need to like be evangelical and proselytize about it and really galvanize your own faith by recruiting others. And that's mm. what it can look like. Like, don't go down the coaching path. Aren't we going to stay together as therapists? Yeah, it's Aren't like going to keep the party line. Thing. Yeah, right, right. And I don't mean that therapists are exclusively responsible for that. Yeah. I, you know, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's partly comes from people want there to be like one answer. Right. right. There's like the thing. It's therapy. It's coaching. It's the model Brooke Castillo created at the life coach school. It's right. the it's shadow Iowa work. It's, it's whatever this, it is. Right. Like, it's, right. As opposed to like, you need to try different things and see what works for you. Again, like even just therapy is not one thing. You can go to one therapist who's extremely different from another therapist, and the same with coaching. So there's like this desire. I think it's, you know, and this, for me, like all the work I do is about how are we socialized? Like people socialize as women and people in marginalized identities. We are like all socialized to believe that we can't possibly know the answer or be trusted to know what's good for ourselves. Like somebody else knows it's probably an old white dude. He probably has like a fancy job title or he like has a PhD or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, There's just so much socialization that teaches us to like, and especially for women, I think when it comes to feelings and like anything in the body, there's like so much socialization that alienates us from our own selves and teaches us that like we're emotional and hysterical and unreliable, whatever, all this stuff. So that's what we want there to like be an answer. Like, okay, it is therapy or it is coaching or it's this or it's that or it's whatever. It's like this false illusion of safety. But the truth is like, you got to figure out what works for you. Like if you go to, you know five different therapists, go to five different coaches, like listen to all the podcasts, read what they have to say, ask them questions, like see what works for you. Of course, we all get resistance during what is a successful coaching Mm -hmm. and therapeutic process. Mm -hmm. I don't mean like the minute you have a negative emotion, you should quit, but like, it may be a combination of things. It may be different things at different times in your life. It may be different things. Like I went through this, I've talked about on the podcast so far as I've come out of it, but like really challenging six to eight months where I was doing some of the deepest, like emotion and thought work I'd really ever had to do on something. And mm. I was like, fucking all of it. I was like, we were, my partner and I were in couples therapy. I had a relationship coach. I did tapping <laughs> EFT, which I didn't even believe in before I did it. I right, did right. like, I worked with a nervous system coach, obviously like 
I, you know, had the resources to hire all these people one-on-one, but most of these people have free podcasts. Like I was just using a variety of techniques and I was willing to be like, hi, tapping makes no sense to me. And I think this is stupid, but let's try it. We'll see what happens. And then but it, like, the uncertainty is part, that's incredible. <laughs> the uncertainty then is part of the process as opposed to, there's something about the, the, the old white guy who's like, oh, you're fucked up. Cool. I have an answer. Yeah. And then we have that dynamic that them seeking the answer only right. affirms how fucked up you are in the first place, as opposed to what you're describing, which is being in the uncertainty, being in the not knowing, being in the excavation process and the seeking and going, well, I like this and this kind of works. Well, this and is fucked all up. Of it I don't helped. buy this. It wasn't like I tried five it. things and then I got to the fifth and that was the one that solved it. It was like, right. I got some from here and some from here. And this person said that thing. And then I connected it to that thing that came up over there. Like, it's like, you have to take authority and ownership right. of your own healing and self-development journey. Well, that the fact that there is no answer demands then that you be in relationship with your own healing process. Yeah. Thank God there's no answer, or we would just be out to fix ourselves and move on to the next fucking totally. burrito that we get to eat or whatever it is. But you actually yeah. have to be in a process, be in relationship with the process. And again, here I am with this coaching and the relationship thing, but yeah. you get to bypass a process if there's just yeah. an answer and you didn't have the luxury of doing that. Yeah. And I think that gets to one of the things I particularly like about coaching, which, and of course, I think there are therapists like working on this. Like I follow some of them on Facebook, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. like, there's obviously a lot of diversity there too, in terms of thought. But what I really, one of the things I like about coaching is that I think it decentralizes authority Mm -hmm. and I refuse to take on that authority in a way that is like, my clients have to figure it out for themselves, right? Like I'm actually there to coach and help them, but like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you should do. I don't know if you should think that. How does it feel? Like, what do you want to do? What do you, right? right? I well, otherwise, no you're just coaching, cultivating their own dependence on you as a coach, right. as opposed to coaching them in their own thought and excavation right. process. Right. Totally. So I think we've actually kind of touched on like what some of these similarities are, but I mean, mm-hmm. we can maybe kind of flesh that out a little bit more. Like, I think obviously on some level, any good therapist, any good coach is just sort of trying to help people have a little easier time being a human in the world. Yes. yes. I think both of them are doing the job of turning up the slow dimmer switch of our awareness. Neither Mm -hmm. neither one is the light switch. The coach who trained me described the big difference between therapy and coaching is like, he's like, if you think of therapy as termites, think of coaching like a buzzsaw. I was like, I, both of these metaphors seem (laughs) terrible. Wait, I don't even understand. What does that mean? Look, this is just the culture I was raised in. I then had to deviate (laughs) from that. No, I would have like, okay, maybe this is because I lived in New Orleans where there are termite swarms where once a year they like swarm out of the walls to go make new colonies and it's horrifying. It sounds like a nightmare. My God. But that's what I'm thinking about. How, so can you explain this metaphor? How is this? Um, Again, in the way that he described it, that, you know, the termites do the slow work of eating away. I mean, it's a terrible metaphor, eating away the integral structure of the house, right? But the buzzsaw just gets it done. I think he's just speaking to like that these are tools that for a similar purpose but there okay. you know that there's a different degree of efficiency These i'm not endorsing terrible to me right i'm not endorsing this i'm this is you know, yeah, part yeah, of, yeah this is a, the conversation about it but well i think what we're saying is sort of like in that middle if we think about the spectrum that i posited that's sort of like there are places where like coaching is not going to be the only thing you need for sure and right. then there's places where you need People need psychiatric support, therapeutic support, whatever, in addition to whether they have coaching or not. Then there's places in the in the middle where like you could probably take this problem to a coach or a therapist and either yeah. one might be helpful. It'll be a different approach. And, and then there's the part that's sort of like, well, I mean, depending on the therapist, they might be like, 
you're really good to go, but you are sort of really trying. It's much more sort of like, I want to like become this different future version of myself. I want like this sort of very coaching specific tools. Although right, of course, right. again, if you are a therapist who does that work, some therapists do that work too, but we're just making broad right. generalizations. So I think what they have in common though, is right. Is like you said, there's like the bringing up awareness. I think of it as like being human is like a skill. We not, we're all just human. We can become more skillful at like mm-hmm. navigating the human experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's what a good therapist or a good coach is helping you do. And there's also bad right. coaches and bad therapists. I mean, this is all relevant. Obviously it's all subjective. Like this whole episode should just be called broad generalizations. Yeah. Broad generalizations that are all subjective anyway, but we got to use them to be able to talk about anything. That's the name. That's my coaching philosophy in general. Like it's all made up, but also we can't communicate if we don't use some words. So that's right. That's right. But so I think it's like a good therapist, a good coach, like they're both creating awareness. Mm -hmm. I think generally good therapy also and good coaching are like helping you develop a more compassionate relationship with yourself. Sure. Right. Sure. I think like they're both I, looking to return the dignity of choice as well, mm-hmm. but, and having a more compassionate relationship allows you the ability to do that a little bit more mm-hmm. agency in your own world. Yeah, yeah. So creating more self-compassion, more empowerment, more that sort of, of like recognizing your own agency. Right. 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 And a sense of how to work with the human curriculum as opposed mm-hmm. to you know, try to change it or work against it or transcend it. But how do I work in concert with this thing? I think that's a therapeutic and the coaching conversation. Yeah. And I think like there's thought awareness we talked about, but then there's also just like making peace of being a human who has emotions, I think is something that both right. <laughs> happens in both disciplines is an right. important part of things. Mm-hmm. So it's not right. Like, I think again, our sort of the thing we keep coming back to is like, this is not an either or it's not a this versus this. And I think that also you're right that it happens. I do see it more. And I think I even used to be more this way when you're just starting out with something and thought work, like coaching, when you, if you have whatever you call it, some people would call it like a spiritual awakening. That's like not my language, but like when you basically discover that like, <laughs> you can change the way you think and feel and like right, not right. everything you think is true, it's right. a very destabilizing experience. And it's still pretty non-mainstream. So like for me, like if you're in a position like I was, or you were where you're going from like a very licensed credentialed mainstreamed mm-hmm. field, which like also lawyers didn't used to be licensed and credentialed and mainstreamed either. Like all of these ah, professions have, you know, only in the last 150 years sort of mainstream themselves. Right. But like now it's very hierarchical and very like credential focused, right? So like going from all of that to being like, um, I think that actually, I believe that I can decide how to feel and other people don't right. cause it. And you also going to be a, a life coach. To make yeah, that you move. kind of like lose your shit a little bit. And it's very destabilizing. And especially if you are like coming from a kind of very different place, I think it's natural that you then, like you said, become both evangelical about it, but also very defensive about it. And like, it's like, you feel like you need it to be the answer. Totally. And that is part of that development is getting to the place where you're like, there's no one answer. I don't know. There's people out there solving their problems with astrology or feng shui or numerology (laughs) or Kabbalah or coaching or therapy or philosophy or ketamine or like, I don't know. People are solving their problems in like a lot of different ways. All sorts of creative ways. Let's take all this off the pedestal. Yeah. And like not, none of it has to be the right one. And so I would say like, if you're listening to this and because often this comes up and like people want to get coached, I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, how do I talk to my friends or my family about coaching or like tell people about this? They think it's crazy or they don't agree. And I'm just like, okay, they don't have to like, 
Yeah, you, you don't gotta- have to go out there and convince mm-hmm. everybody that everyone should, you know, do thought work and join the clutch. Like it's not for everybody <laughs> and that's okay. Right, right. One of the things I'm feeling compelled to do at the moment is just make the plug and kind of congratulate those that do make the pivot from therapy to coaching, not because that's a better move, but because in this culture, it's a revolutionary move. It's especially for those of us that are the overachievers who really identify ourselves based on our accomplishments and our credentials Mm -hmm. in this culture to surrender the credentials and say, you know what, there's a conversation that I want to have that for me, at least I couldn't have with the credentials. I get Mm -hmm. that some people totally can and power to them. But to say, I'm going to prioritize the conversation I need to have over the sense of achievement that I get Mm -hmm. from the safety of this, it takes some balls. It really does. One of the difficult practices I work on, and this is a, I guess you could call it a spiritual practice or a human Mm -hmm. practice, whatever the fuck you call it. But when someone comments on my Instagram, something like, this is my my worst nightmare when someone's like, I only listen to credential people. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I have to take a breath and not respond and include the possibility that some people are going to think we've lost our edge if we've gone to coaching or that we don't know what we're talking about or, you know, now we've we've lost our credibility and and we just have to include that in the process. And that's for at least a a type A brain like mine. It's a heroic thing to not respond to that and be like, I used to be at there. I used, don't I? Right. Totally. Even though it's just like so hilarious because if you went to any institution of higher learning, you're like, yeah, there were some brilliant people there and there were some idiots there just like anywhere else. Like this is not completely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I work with some, there are some phenomenal people who are licensed and unlicensed. Totally. Truly. But I can totally see how that's, I mean, it was like very, I had to do a lot of thought work to go from like a high social capital career to this one. But right. once I'd made the jump, I can see how it's like, but there's, it's still different. Cause it was sort of like, once I did that, it was it's sort of just like, if I'd said I was leaving to become a social worker, probably would have gotten the same reaction. Maybe, I don't know. Life coach right. is like even weirder, but I can see right. how going like from therapist to coach is like, it's like sibling rivalry. You know, it's like sort of like That's so right. much closer. It's like that it actually right. can be a harder transition. Cause like we're always most like reminds me when you go to one country and like the people they're always the most mad at are the country, like right next to right them next door. are like very yes. similar. And like right. when you travel across the border, like on one side, the cab driver's like, can you believe those people on the other side who are X, Y, Z? And then you like get in the cab when you cross the border. And that guy's like, can you believe those people on the si- other side who are X, Y, Z? It's like the same mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. that like that sort of therapist coach going from like lawyer professor to coach is just sort of like, who knows? You've just lost your mind. Right. But like, we don't even think about that. Whereas you have like your former college. It's like, you're so mm-hmm. much closer mm-hmm. kind of, I can totally see that. But also it's like. I mean, anyone who only wants to take advice from somebody who has a PhD in psychology should just stop listening to my podcast. Like they're probably not anyway. I'm like, how did you end up on my Instagram? I don't have a hashtag that says psychology. Licensed clinical therapist. What are you doing here? Go, there's therapist Instagram. I'm sure go over there if that's what you want. Absolutely. So where can people find you if they want, speaking of Instagram, if they want to find you? Oh, sure. (laughs) They can find me at Molly Bernie or mollyburney.com. That's it. it. (laughs) it. Go follow her on Instagram. I share Molly stuff all the time. That's how I found her. And then I slid into her DMs and I was like, come on my podcast. Just like that. That voice. That voice. I did a voice audio. Come on my podcast. (laughs) And now we're friends. Thank you so much for coming to talk about this. This is such a much needed topic, I think. So I'm glad we got to chat about it. My pleasure. Truly. Thank you. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. 
It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things ThoughtWork with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.